This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider! That's right, sound the horns, hit those drops. Thank you, little John, for introducing me every week like that. So nice of you, DJ Spider. That's right, I appreciate it. And you know who else I appreciate? The amazing people at BeatSource, the greatest website on earth. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. We are constantly innovating, changing the game. We got BeatSource Link, which gives you the ability to DJ off the cloud. We got edits now in the mix, which nobody thought was possible. We've got edits, acapella edits, I mean acapella in instrumentals, transitions, so much dope stuff. So just head over there and sign up. If you want to get 60 days free, use our code. It's the 20, T-H-E-2-0. That's right. Put the 20 in for a free 60-day trial and let me know what you think. Thank you guys for listening, all the beat sourcers, all the people that have been supporting us over this time. We are almost two years in, almost 100 episodes down and... I'm still loving it, and I'm still loving you guys. Thank you. Um, If you want to help us out, make sure you rate and review the podcast. Give us a nice little review. Give us some five stars on the Apple Podcast app. That's great. And if you've got something to say, suggestions, you want to hate on me, you want to love me, you want to do whatever, hit me up on Instagram at DJ Spider, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. From there, you will be able to check out my stuff and do all that. Also, make sure you check me out in Vegas and a bunch of other cities coming up next month. September 10th, I am at Marquee Day Club. September 25th, I'm at Town Night Club. I'll be in Boston. I'll be all over the place. So uh, hit up my website, D-E-E-J-A-Y-S-P-I-D-E-R.com, DJSpider.com. Got all my stuff on there. On today's show, though, I got to let you know about our special guest. We have got someone who has helped millions of DJs and music lovers around the world by co-founding a platform that lets DJs legally post their mixes. And you know we're about doing things legally here at BeatSource as well. Uh, It lets them legally post their mixes, live stream, and do so much more. He continues to innovate and keep his platform ahead of the curve with his forward-thinking mentality and his genuine connection to the DJ culture. He's a DJ himself, so... Uh, You can't get more real than that. Um, We discuss everything on this episode from music copyrights, live streaming, how the role of DJs and musicians has changed over time, all the way over to NFTs, the metaverse, decentralization, and just good old-fashioned DJ stories, or even new-fashioned DJ stories. You know, we we hit it all on this, from old school to new school. Um, I personally thoroughly enjoyed talking to someone that is as much of a real DJ as they are a real tech CEO and innovator. Uh, We also discussed the forthcoming partnership between BeatSource and Mixcloud, which is very exciting. So there's more on that to be announced soon. So without further ado, please welcome to the show Mixcloud co-founder and CEO Nico Perez. I'm so happy you're here. Please, everyone, welcome to the 20 Podcast. Nico Perez, the CEO and co-founder of Mixcloud. Give it up. Oh, God, we got the crowd. The crowd's here. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Round of applause. Um, How are you doing today? 
Doing pretty good. Yeah. Feeling pretty healthy. Went for a run yesterday. Feeling, feeling positive. Good, good. So, um, and you're out in London, correct? So I'm usually based in London. Um, but right now I'm actually sitting in por- dialing in from Puerto Rico. Oh, cool. um, my fiance is Puerto Rican and we've been down here for, for a few weeks. She's got an art show coming up. So I'm connecting, coming through live from Puerto Rico at the moment. Great. All right. Straight from Puerto Rico to LA. We're worldwide though. The DJ community is all over the place. And, um, and so your wife is an artist, like a visual artist or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she's working on a a visual sort of installation art show that's coming up in uh, about a week and a half. Oh, that's great. So cool. Um, cool. Well, um, I hope you're enjoying everything out there and, um, what's the vibe like with the pandemic and all the stuff, you know, where in London as well as Puerto Rico, is it getting back to normal or what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in London last week and like, it's definitely fully reopened. Um, they were very early in terms of like just reopening everything. And, you know, I think the government was just like, no, we're just going to go for it. Right. Uh, seems like the numbers are pretty high, but it's not going like crazy. So that's, that's that's London. And then here, here in Puerto Rico, you know, they've always been pretty, pretty safe about it. Like masks going inside, you know, hand sanitizer, check your temperature, everything like that. Right. Um, but so much is, so much is outdoor here. So like the bars and restaurants and everything's outdoors. So I think that really helps with the ventilation. Yeah, I think so too. That That's a good thing about places like Miami and even here in LA and stuff, you can do so much outside. So it helps. Um, yeah. and I hope everything yeah. stays good in London. I see the videos, uh, and everybody is definitely fully out. Like I'm back at this club. I'm doing all this stuff and all the DJs seem back to normal. So I pray and hope, uh, it stays good. I think here it's been a roller coaster and we're figuring it out as we go, but everybody's just kind of pushing forward. And the cool thing is that we learned a lot during the pandemic, and we were given so many tools from companies like you guys, Mixcloud, to be able to live stream and to be able to create this hybrid world that I think we're bound to be living in within a few years and, you know, in the future anyway. So even as things, if things happen and we have to change as we go, now we have the tools and now we have the understanding of everything. And, you know, people were figuring out things with, um, OBS and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, now, and I think, you know, we were able to use OBS to then live stream onto your platform, Mixcloud. And now you've come out with your own thing to sort of, uh, you know, make not, not need OBS, right? Mixcloud live studio. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, if any of your listeners have known Mixcloud historically, yeah. you know, what we were known for is being this platform for hosting DJ mixes, radio shows, podcasts that have music in them and doing so in a kind of legal and safe way. Right. Uh, and about now, just over a year and two, three, four months ago, you know, very early into the pandemic, we got a lot of, lot of requests for a live streaming element to the platform. Yeah. So we built that and sort of layered it on top because it means that you can both live stream and save a recording legally yeah. to your profile. Uh, and so we, we layered that on top about, you know, like a year and a half ago. And then most recently, like you mentioned, we launched this thing called live studio just last week. 
And essentially, that is our solution alternative to something like an OBS or Streamlabs, where you can just, it's just super easy. It's just like straight from your web browser, load up the web page, you know, choose your, your import sources. So usually like webcam and audio source, right. and then boom, you can go streaming like straight away. That's great. Um, I, I think that's huge because as much as DJs have, you know, gravitated towards a live stream and we're all somewhat technical on different levels and can understand it. I think OBS and Streamlabs was a hurdle for some people is still very confusing and there's a lot to it. You know, we already had it, had to learn all these different programs. So for you to just be able to go straight through the browser, I think will be somewhat of a game changer for a lot of people that were hesitant, you know, to do the live streaming. Cause a lot of DJs are like, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not going to learn that. And, um, I, you know, I think that's a better way yeah. to do it, you know? And, um, as we've seen, yeah, and, the, and, and, yeah sorry, go and ahead. Ultimately, like, we're, we're, you know, we're going to support both. We of leave course. the choice up to the DJs. If you want to keep using OBS or Streamlabs or any streaming software, really, um, that supports RTMP, real-time media protocol, you can do that. Totally fine. If you don't want to, like, get into the hassle of figuring out scenes and clips and all this crazy stuff that, you know, you can do with OBS, but probably a little overkill. Right. Then, you know, the, the live studio is an option there as well. Um, so especially if I think for people just getting started out, you know, a lot of what we heard, a lot of the feedback we got was like, this is really complicated. I have to hook up all these things and get a stream key and plug it in here. And it's just mad complicated. And so hopefully this is an option for people looking for, like the plug and play super easy version. Right. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And it's a way to DJ and be able to record yourself and then just instantaneously have it posted onto Mixcloud. right? The, your mix, your audio mix. Yeah, exactly. So, so with the live studio, as well as um, just using RTMP, everything gets recorded the audio gets recorded and it's there in draft mode on your profile. If you want to publish it, you can, if you don't want to publish it, if you messed up the mix or whatever, it's all good. You don't have, you don't have to put it out. Nobody's going to force you. Right. Um, and yeah, and, and we do audio only. And we wrote about this recently because people were asking like, well, why not the video? Right. And what it comes down to is like when you want to sync music to video yeah. and make it available after the fact on demand, you need a completely different set of rights, which are called sync rights. Right. And for those type of rights, you have to clear them each song at a time. And it's like a total nightmare. So you, we said, you know, we want to do this right. We want to make it legal, licensed to the right way. So we're going to, we're going to do audio for the recordings, audio and video for the live. Yeah. Yeah. The other way you're basically making a movie and you'd have to like license each thing you played to the exactly. own movie of yourself, exactly. you know, and is it really exactly. worth it? And, and whether people like it or not, there's rules within all of this stuff. And, you know, some people are doing their best yeah. to make it, you know, work with the rules, but also try to push things forward. And I think, you know, I was, you know, thinking of questions to talk to you about. And I was thinking, you know, you're a lot of times I talk to DJs, and sometimes talk to tech people and you're somebody that's both, you know, I know you're a DJ as well, which is so amazing. And you're obviously been, you've been a huge advocate of DJs and you've helped us, 
live our life and do all these things, which is so great. And I was thinking that there's just this common thread between people that work in the tech industry and DJs where we have almost the same trolls, like the same people that don't <laughs> understand what we do completely just come to us and say mean and stupid things right off the bat with no constructive criticism whatsoever. Just like, you suck. <laughs> you're the whack DJ. Yeah. That app's crap. You know, you're like, thanks a lot. I've just been working at this for 10, 20 years of my life and putting my heart and soul into it just to help and entertain you and help you. And you're just like, sucks, you know, with no thing. So it's funny the, I don't know. I think there's a lack of somewhat of appreciation for what you do in the tech world as well as DJs. And we're bonded by that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people don't realize the complexity of kind of what goes on yeah. in the background to a lot of these things. Sure, and, yeah. you know, it's easy to like criticize and hate and, you know, that's yeah. just kind of like the internet at the end of the day. It is the internet, it's straight up, like comment uh, sections <laughs> on YouTube, just the worst people yeah. <laughs> uh, for yeah. the most part. And then a lot of great people in the mix too, but yeah, it's, it's crazy, you know, like the, the lack of understanding, like, well, why can't you do this, you know, and, and then it comes back to bite them in the ass in the same way where, okay, now your whole profile got deleted from SoundCloud or Twitter or, you know, who knows, or Twitch or all these things. So as cool as these platforms are, if they're not going by the rules, it may not be a sustainable future. And I think that's sort of where Mixcloud and BeatSource even have you know, a relationship because both companies are trying to do things the right way and give you the tools to do something sustainable for the future that is not just like, oh, this is working out for the time being. But then in one year, your whole thing's deleted and you have to start over from scratch. This way, you know, BeatSource is giving you the ability to play the songs, have the edits, do all the things and pay the artists from the, for the streams, you know, and Mixcloud I think has, has the same mission and Mixcloud has been doing it for, I mean, you've been, you've had this mission for over 10 years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, spot on. I think, you know, a lot of people often you know, ask me like, you know, um, why can't I, why can't I do X or Y or you know, why can't I save the video or like, you know, why doesn't it, this work in this way? And, you know, I often see people kind of really investing in some other platforms that I know work right now, but like my advice has always been like, just look a little bit deeper under the hood and think about where you're investing your time and energy. And if it's on shaky foundations, just remember that like, you know, for our world, DJing is everything. But if you're like a giant, like social network or, you know, giant, huge Amazon style corporation, you know, we're just one small, yeah, like little part of that. And so there's no hesitancy to turn that off, ban, block, mute, do whatever. Uh, and it's just worth thinking about that because, you know, I've just seen so many people build up followings or, um, you know, put things out and then like, you know, months or years later, it all gets torn down. And it's yeah. like, you know, how many times do we have to make that mistake before we learn? Right. So we've always tried to have this, this very solid legal foundation on which to build, which has meant that, you know, we have to abide by certain rules and we have to make things work in certain ways. But 
the flip side of that is that you know your stuff is safe. You know you're not yeah. going to get it taken down. You know you're not going to get banned. You're not going to get blocked. You're not going to get, you know, three strikes and you're out sort of thing. So, you know, that's always where we, we have come from, from. That's been our philosophy since day one. And I think over time, people like recognizing that more and more as uh, something that's important, right? I think we saw this a couple of years ago with SoundCloud yeah. experiencing tons of takedowns left, right, and center. Um, recently, last year, a lot of DJs were going live on Facebook and Instagram and it was all good for, for a minute. And then those, those kind of takedowns and, and blocks started happening. And, you know, people still going live on Twitch today and they haven't cracked on it yet, but you know, history, history has a certain pattern of repeating itself. So right. that's all I'll say. Yes. And with Twitch, you, you've seen, they used to put the DJs on the front page and I've not seen a DJ on the front page besides maybe ones that own the record label and own the music and maybe have a deal. I don't know. I'm making this up, but that have a deal yeah. where, okay, we own all of the stuff we're going to play, but you don't see the yeah. open format DJs on the front page of Twitch anymore. Um, you know, which is unfortunate, but also completely understandable and makes sense. Like you said, it's bound to happen. Um, you know, I mean, as we push forward, like we're going to be living in these virtual worlds and metaverse and all the buzzwords everybody uses. Um, and DJs will be a part of that. And we have to find ways to share music. But I think that's the cool thing about Mixcloud, BeatSource, companies that are actually trying to play by the rules and as well as once you start playing by the rules and showing these bigger companies what you're doing, I think then you can start stretching the things and doing new style things where BeatSource was able to make the edits. You're able to bring live streaming and all of these other things where it's like, just give us time. We're, we're building, you know, building it and we're expanding it slowly. You know, it's like bending like a crazy metal bar. Like you can't just do it right yeah. away. Like we're, we're working on yeah. it and there's going to be hurdles. That, that that's a perfect example of like, you know, if you didn't, if you weren't aware of the complexity of how difficult it is, for example, for you guys at BeatSource to, to clear those edits, to do a deal with Universal Music, the largest record label group in the world. Right. You know, that maybe looks easy from the outside, but it involves so many people, so many lawyers, so much time spent negotiating understanding of all the different kind of nuances of the contract of the product, all these things, introducing something new to these, these big companies that have been around for decades. Like yeah. it's not an easy thing. Like right. that, that takes time and effort. And they might not be as interested as you think they are. Like you said, DJs sometimes think they're the center of the universe. And of course I'm a DJ and I love DJs and I'm the biggest fan, but within these platforms, yeah, like it might not be, they go, oh, well, Amazon owns it. They should just cut a check. I don't think it's just cutting a yeah. check. You know, there's a, like you said, there's, it's very, very, very complex. It's a worldwide thing. Not all the rules are the same. And also, is it even worth it to them, you know, at, at some point? And um, your site is built for DJs, you know, by DJs and um, has a, has a long-term vision. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of different things. And the cool thing about your site, like, for example, I had um, DJ Flip Out on a couple weeks ago, and he has a show called The Flip and Jay Show, and it's only on Mixcloud. And for a minute, I was like, why is it only on Mixcloud? And then I realized, because legally, it probably couldn't be on any other platform. And thank God for Mixcloud, because the show is incredible. I mean, it's like 
like a documentary style mixtape. Like they'll do a Bismarck. I don't know if you've listened wow. to it, but you should check it out. I think Not you personally uh, yeah. would like it because I know nice. you you like uh, dope hip hop and Nas and all that amazing yes. kind of stuff. I know oh, you yes. you yeah, come yeah, from yeah. that world. And um, Flip Out yeah. and Jay Swing in Vancouver are you know legends in that world as well. And they've been doing the cool. show on Mixcloud only called the Flip and Jay Show. And I mean, they'll do a, a Big Daddy Kane episode or a Biz Marquee episode. And it's it's like a mixtape, but it's like a two-hour audio documentary. It has interviews. It has live clips mixed all together. And like the attention to detail wow. is just incredible. And to me, it's a prime example of how to use Mixcloud and go, look, yes, yeah. this would be cool on a bunch of other platforms definitely would get pulled down and everyone would complain, but you can do this legally on Mixcloud and it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, I was telling them it's like a history lesson. Like some of their stuff should be played in schools because you learn so much about the artist (laughs) while also getting inspired and getting those goosebumps from like the beats and the DJing and mixing it all together. And you know, it's such a cool thing. So I think your platform is is perfect for things like that. And even as we were talking earlier, I used to do on this show, uh, it's called The 20, and we base it off of The 20 playlist, and I used to take songs and play it for the guest, and then we realized, oh, we're getting pulled down, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all these things, because we we post it everywhere. But then I was thinking, I'm like, we yeah. could have a Mixcloud-only version where we do that, because you could legally do that, you know? So, um there's a lot of ideas I think exactly. people aren't realizing that they could do. And and then especially with your different tiers that you have now with Mixcloud Select and um, Mixcloud Pro and, and all the stuff. Do, actually, do you want to break down the different tiers? Because I feel like sometimes people get a little confused. Like sometimes I think a yeah. DJ will pay for the top tier as a DJ, yeah. but then they, yeah. they still have to yeah, pay yeah. for the subscription to the select and they don't understand why. So maybe that would be yeah. a good thing to explain. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. So real, really simply, we got three different tiers, three different subscription products. Right. Uh, one of them is built around creators, so DJs, radio presenters, podcasters. That's Mixcloud Pro. Okay. And that's like a toolkit that gives you access to live streaming, extra stats, the ability to schedule your uploads, whole bunch of stuff in there. You can, you can turn on monetization. You can make things exclusive for your paying subscribers, whole bunch of stuff, Mixcloud Pro. And that's geared first and foremost towards DJs, radio presenters, audio creators. Then right. on the listener side, we have two products there. One is premium, Mixcloud Premium which is basically kind of an ad-free experience. It removes all the ads, gives you interactivity. You can kind of rewind things and kind of full interactivity. Uh, And then Mixcloud Select is our channel-based subscription offering for listeners. So uh, it's the flip side of that monetization program. So if you're a DJ, you got your channel, uh, you turn on monetization, you can choose your price point. Most people go for $2.99, $2.99 a month. And then you can choose exactly what you want to make available completely for free, or if you want to make certain things exclusive. So you can make your archive exclusive, or you know we see a lot of people upload maybe like the first hour for free, second hour exclusive. Right. And your fans and your 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 community can help support you. Subscribe for two ninety nine a month, and that that revenue gets gets distributed and generated 
both to you as a channel owner and the artists who you're playing within your shows and your mixes. So we think it's pretty cool. It means that everybody's kind of part of part of the equation yeah, and uh, kind of supports the whole ecosystem. That's really cool. So you're able to track all of the things similar to like how radio stations or something do uh, what on those shows and give the royalties to the artists as well. I actually didn't even totally put that together. That makes perfect sense though. Yeah, that, that, that's actually our, our secret sauce, so to speak. So we, we, we don't do this by hand, you know, we do it through technology and a technology called audio fingerprinting, which is like Shazam. If, if you're familiar with the app, right? So we run everything through a Shazam style audio fingerprinter to figure out at a very granular track based level, what you're playing within a mix. Okay. And then we cross reference that with what people are actually listening to. And, you know, we can say, okay, your mix, the, you know, the 10 songs got listened to, I don't know, 200 times in the States, 300 times in the UK, 100 times in France, down to the individual like country level. Wow. And then we use that information to figure out, okay, we got to pay royalties for these tracks in these countries in these months. So that's another example of like, there's a lot of complexity <laughs> behind the scenes yeah. that goes into it. Right. No one thinks about it. They're like, dude, I uploaded my mix. What the hell? You know, like, and you're like, do you understand yeah. the amount of work that we have to figure out just from your mix to make it legal to have to keep it up here? So that's crazy. And I, I understand it sort of, but I didn't even completely grasp that side of it. And and so then as far as Mixcloud Select, are you you're not just subscribe. I mean, once you pay for Mixcloud Select, do you have the ability to. Um, well, well, you have the ability to rewind and some of the other features that aren't available in the free or in the lower version, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. So I should have specified if you are a listener subscribing to your, your favorite DJ or channel or radio station or whatever it is, yeah. you not only get access to the exclusives, you have full interactivity on that channel. So you can rewind, you can also download to the app. So if you have the iPhone or Android app, you can download, you know, as many mixes as your, your phone can store offline. Okay. You can listen to those offline if you're on a plane or whatever. Right. Um, so you get all that functionality as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, but you said that the, the DJs can pick their own price. So if I wanted to, I mean, just using as an example, the flip and J show, if they, you know, if they have a price, I would pay for their thing, but I would, is the the premium one is where I'm getting able to I'm able to use all those features um, on everybody's channel, but then the select is when I'm just supporting. It's almost like a subscription to that one channel and supporting that one DJ or artist that I want to. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. right. And so the premium one's about eight dollars. Um, right. You know, it's ad free. It's, it's you know, you get access to everything except what's exclusive. On, right. on the channels. If, if, if DJ has chosen to make something exclusive, that that's not included. Got it. The, the channel-based subscription is much more like similar to say like a Patreon model yeah. where you're subscribing and supporting like one individual and you know, that, that, that revenue, that, that money goes to that individual and the artists who they're playing. Right. So that, that's kind of how it works. Got it. Okay. That's, that's super clear and cool. Um, and you know, through the 
pandemic, I mean, has pushed everyone to figure out new things and go forward. And you guys implemented live streaming, which was huge, as well as other things you've been working on. Um, and um, I actually read, um, I think, something you retweeted from somebody. Um, I, I'm not sure how to say his name. Uh, Bass Grass or Boss Grass or something. Um, Grammy. I just call him Bass. Okay, Bass. Yeah, he's he's big also in like, isn't he big in the crypto world and that kind of world, I think, too? Um, yeah, I, yeah. So Bass talks a lot about like new music uh, economies, different forms of interaction, how kind of the crypto world and metaverse and right. NFTs and DAOs and you know, all these things are now starting to interweave and interplay with each other. Yeah. yeah. So I started following him actually, I think uh, before, and then I saw you retweeting him. And, um, and I saw you talking about something he said where he said, mixes are now just one piece in a much larger stream of content as fans often expect their favorite DJs to not only post mixes, but maintain an active social media presence, preferably a funny one, of course, do <laughs> interviews, host radio shows, drop new releases. And like, I can't tell you how much I relate to that because that's what I'm doing. I'm out here hosting podcasts, putting out edit packs, doing funny things, making magazine imitation videos, you know, that I get more reactions from my funny posts sometimes than my, uh, like a remix I worked two months on, you know, so <laughs> you do have to play all of those, uh, you know, cover all the bases. Um, and I thought that was, you know, and then you had something to say above that. And I thought it was really interesting and it made me um, think about something else you wrote about that other things that were on your roadmap, you know, maybe like mixes, radio shows, live streams, written and image posts, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and other stuff like that. What, you know, can you speak on that a bit? What are some other things you've implemented and what are some other things that are to come? Um, and what's your even, what's your opinion on DJs having to do all of that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, first thing I got to give a shout out to Sean Ronaldo, who actually wrote the original article in his, okay. in his, um, his newsletter called first floor. And that was what Baz was quoting. Oh, okay. um, Sean used to uh, help, help run, um, Red Bull, uh, RBMA, Red Bull music Academy. Oh, amazing. Um, but I think, I think it's really true. I think, you know, and, and, and arguably like this is not unique to the DJ world. Right. I think you see this in, sports as well in like all different kind of you know different sectors yeah you know people are having to kind of like learn new skills do different things right. and kind of experiment with different modes of interact like interacting and communicating with with their communities at yeah. the end of the day so you know when when we look at mixcloud for as an example like we started with just long form audio Right. Then we added live streaming, the ability to go live. Then we added um, written posts, which can also have pictures and images in them. You know, now we're looking at, you know, does it make sense? A lot of DJs are also producing music. Could you have your original song productions there? Right. Um, you know, thinking, thinking further out beyond that, you know, like a lot of people are talking about NFTs now, other kind of different ways of uh either either communicating expressing yourself or interacting with an audience 
So that's kind of the lens through which the philosophy through which we're thinking about it. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. And yeah, NFTs, I mean, are, you know, I'm super interested in all of that stuff. I, I follow everybody. I read about it nonstop. I'm, I was following all these discords this morning. I missed out on the atom bomb drop and all these things I wanted to buy. Um, and, and it's funny because I think people act like it's the end all be all like just put it on the blockchain or make it NFT. There you go. Like I think talk about complexity. That's very complex. I do think that it's an amazing window into the future and it's something that for sure we will be incorporating. But I think now people are just figuring out the use cases and just figuring out, whoa, I can spend Ethereum. This is cool. You know, I mean, now they're like, I'll spend $8 million on a rock. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Um, it's, it's just interesting. Um, but yeah, I wonder if you guys could implement those things. Maybe DJs like Qbert or these amazing scratch DJs could do things that they own and make sounds they own and mint it as an NFT on the platform, you know, things that don't need to be within the copyright world or, you know, who knows? Yeah. The sky's the limit. With- yeah. So we, we actually, we actually did a little, a little project around that. So we, there's really? a, there's another kind of company in London called Endless FM. Yeah. Three S's in it. Yeah. They're great. They make this really cool little, yeah. A little um, music jamming collaboration app. Yep. Check it out if you haven't. It's really and cool. And we did, we did a part. Yeah. We did a partnership with them where they had um, uh, a guy come in from their community who was like basically jamming live on the app and created, was, was live streaming it on Mixcloud for about half an hour, an hour. Yeah. And then uh, created, uh, you know, save the audio, created an audio NFT from that and then put it up for sale on, I think it's pronounced Hick and Unk. I'm, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that, that service, but you know, the, the, the concept of what's in there is like definitely cutting edge. And I'm not sure, like, you know, there, there, there's a lot of hype, right now and like yes because it is so cutting edge and uh, i think maybe we're we're gonna go through a bit or are going through a bit of a, a hype cycle thing right but i think that the idea of like the core technology of the blockchain being this like distributed trust system yeah and all of a sudden you can you know put a musical work or a vi- a visual work on there and kind of track things and it's and it's all kind of essentially at the end of the day trustless you don't have to put your faith in some like central centralized authority right i think that that is super interesting and you know game changing long term um so you know that would that i remember first hearing about uh, bitcoin and blockchain like a few years ago and having worked in music rights for so long my first thought was like this you know at some point this is going to be a solution to the complexity of like rights management catalogs, knowing who owns what, who wrote what, who produced what, who owns what, all these questions. I know. And, And it's funny because I think everybody has their own take on it and their own understanding of it. And I think a lot of, it comes from the crypto community, which I think sometimes can have an anti-authority basis, you know, and feel like taxes suck and uh, laws suck, you know, and all that. And I understand a lot of that. Um, But what I noticed in the beginning was people weren't even understanding with 
oh, I'm going to sell this NFT. And I'm like, well, that contains copyrighted things. You're still going to get in trouble. And in a way, aren't you making it worse because you're stamping onto the blockchain that you broke the law? You can't even delete it like on the normal internet. Um, so yeah. that that's something I was wondering. Like, do you know... Um, I don't know much about it, but that site, Audius, that is the sort of music streaming blockchain site. Um, I see people saying, oh, well, th that's a place that you can post mixes and it can never be taken down. Or that's a place you can post mashups or copyrighted things and it can never be taken down. But and and I don't know. I'm coming from a place of not fully understanding all the rules. But aren't you in a way post you can still get stuff you can still get in trouble for copyright laws even in that respect and aren't you sort of posting on the blockchain like i said and just stamping it forever that you broke the law or something or or is there something i'm missing in that respect yeah i mean i'm technically not a lawyer so this is not legal advice okay. but if you're facilitating copyright infringement even if it's a decentralized system you know somebody's going to get angry uh, right. at some point if you, you know, piss off somebody with enough dollars and enough kind of uh, interests in, um, you know, stopping that, you right. know, that's, that's, you know, Napster, for example, to a certain degree was kind of decentralized. It was peer to peer. Totally. Right. Like you, you weren't downloading music from Napster, the company you were, trading it, downloading it from other people. Yep. They still had a huge lawsuit and got shut down. So, right. um, again, I don't know how sustainable that is long-term. Yeah, I wonder. Because you even see now with things getting big, like CryptoPunks and uh, Bored Apes or something, people that rip those off in the decentralized world that supposedly is all great – they still are getting yeah. cease and desist from those big companies now, you know, Larva Labs and all that stuff. So is it all the same thing? Like, how does decentralization solve that, I wonder? I understand the positive parts of it, but I still need to someone to explain to me how, yeah, that would fully solve all of those things besides making it harder for the copyright people to take down, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the underlying promise or like the possibilities of a decentralized system at some point, like conceptually, like will brush up or is brushing up against the fact that there is still intellectual property that's created when you make a song right. or when you make a piece of art <clears throat> and, you know, it can be as decentralized as you, as you like, but there's still intellectual property laws. So, you know, that's definitely going to be something to consider. Right. And what about the thing that people are pushing, you know, even beyond the NFTs and the decentralization stuff where they're talking about DAOs, like you said, the, um, and, and what does that stand for? Decentralized autonomous organization. Autonomous organizations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, is that, that something? The, uh, yeah. Like the flavor of the month. Right. That's the, the flavor of the month um, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I did see you say something yeah. on your Twitter too, about people in the music industry love to talk about artists and fans. People in crypto talk about communities. I think the future of music is going to be a lot more about the latter. The former is too much of a unidirectional relationship. And I thought that was interesting because in a way it speaks to that and i wonder if there's ways that 
people could support their favorite DJs they believe in in the beginning and then be a part of their community more actively as that DJ blows up and and the DAO theory can, you know, apply somehow to these to to Mixcloud or something like that. Is that something you've thought about? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think conceptually, you know, what's interesting about a DAO is you know, people coming together and, you know, this is not always the case from my understanding, but at least in some cases, there is like a smart contract there written into the blockchain that sort of decides like, okay, this is how we do governance. This is how we do kind of, you know, if there is revenue monetization, this is how we do that. Right. Um, and that's in a way it's kind of very similar to like a collective or a startup or something like that. It's just kind of formalized within uh, a blockchain system rather right. than a non-blockchain system. So I think that, you know, what's interesting and cool about that is like, it just, again, makes things quicker, easier. It works cross borders. You know, somebody can be in like Egypt, Japan, and, you know, Argentina, and it, and it still all works together. Um, But I, I like the idea of like, what I was getting at with that tweet is like, I think that the traditional music industry big record labels really think in the mindset of like artists promote artists they speak to fans it's kind of a one-way unidirectional thing yeah whereas i think that what we're seeing now is what you see more and more is like collectives and communities forming around a genre uh a location um uh, a radio station um you know uh, uh even even beat source in in some degrees this is like a DAO, right? Like you guys are forming around a collective interest in the DJ community and and what you're pushing forward. So, in a way, I feel like DAO is a bit of the flavor of the month that is a crypto take on something that is kind of happening in the real world as well. Right. I guess the the one a few examples I've seen of it that seem like it's something new is like that group friends with benefits, you know, where they have their own token and people have to own 75 of the token to be part of the group and then to be able to vote on the things. And then some of the people in the group create are better at other things and create tools. And, you know, I'm still, I'm still trying to understand all of it and how it could benefit DJs in a way, you know, maybe there's, there's some way that um, it could help, you know, or, or, because DJs have always talked about this thing of, oh, we need a union or we need to stick together. But it's so fragmented, like you said, and there's so many different countries and styles and genres. And, you know, so I don't know if it's just a pie in the sky thing or, you know, things that people are using these buzzwords or if it's actually something possible. Like you've seen companies like Super Rare trying to make their own token and give power to the people using the the site and stuff, you know, but I wonder if that could apply in the DJ world or music world or something. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'm, I'm interested in and kind of exploring what ways in which we could bring ownership, whether it's through crypto or other ways to the DJ community who are, who are part of Mixcloud because ultimately we're kind of in it together as, as partners. Um, So, you know, there's some complexity there around like right. 
what happens from a, a tax and kind of reporting perspective if you kind of own shares or own tokens or things like that. So we need to kind of figure, th- figure through a few of those questions. Um, yeah. But conceptually, in a way, like, you know, the, the, the closest uh, analogy that I can think of is actually you're kind of like independent radio station. Mm-hmm. So your NTS in London or your the lot radio in New York or dub lab in LA, or yeah. you know, there's more and more of these kind of independent radio stations, which are essentially kind of like collectives or DAOs of DJs and people who love their music and just want to kind of put it out there. Yeah. And even in the sense of the Mixcloud cloud select where you can, you know, invest in this DJ that you want to see do better, you know, because the DJ is not going to survive or be able to buy food or some, you know, live in a house or support their family. If they have a family, if nobody's giving them money and especially in times like a, during the pandemic, we've really seen that. So in a way these yeah. you're, you're making an investment, um, whether or not you get this huge return back or can sell a crypto coin or not, you're making an investment in someone you believe in and hopefully they can have a actual career, you know, and, and you're helping them out in that respect. So um, I think that yeah. that's close yeah, to exactly. It well. It's, you know, it's, it's about support for, you know, less than the price of a beer, you know, yeah. price of coffee. Right. And, and hopefully, you know, that person is bringing you entertainment and enjoyment in your life. And so, you know, if you want to support that, then yeah. I know it's funny. Sometimes things on the internet feel more expensive because they're not in real life. Like when I'm out, I'm like, Hey, you'll buy you, buy you drinks, buy you dinner. It's hundreds of dollars. And then on the internet, you're like, it's six 99. I don't know if I can handle this. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? Except if it's an NFT and then you're like, it's 12. You're like, it's only, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's $28,000 for a tiny frog. Okay. I'm in, let's do this. You know, like, what is the, there's some weird psychological <laughs> stuff going on. Maybe, maybe if you make the Mixcloud cloud select um, subscribe button, just actually a cup of coffee, then people will be more yeah. prone to it or make it a uh, eight bit picture of the DJ. Then they'll pay a million dollars to do it. <laughs> I don't know. It's there's some humans are weird is what it comes down to the way they decide to yep. spend their money and support things and rationalize. All of it is, is just nuts. Yeah. Very weird. Um, yeah. And so, you know, speaking of partnerships and the stu- uh, what you mentioned before with endless uh, beat source and Mixcloud have a partnership uh, coming up and, because yeah. BeatSource, like you said, does things by the rules, which can also lead to things that may not by, be ideal some of the time. So uh, like your system where you can download the mixes offline, you know, we've had to implement a locker system where we can download the songs offline to be able to play them. Um, and we are also unable to push the record button in Serato as we... DJ, um, and because of the legality of, from what I understand, I'm not a lawyer either, but the streaming and you can't record it and all that stuff, just like, cause you don't have the music in your computer and it's not legal for them to stream and you record it and then you put it out. But between BeatSource and Mixcloud, um, correct me if I'm wrong, we'll be able to DJ using the, the thing you launched last week, Mixcloud Live Studio, 
and be able to record our beat source mixes and then instantly be able to post them legally onto Mixcloud, correct? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So the, the partnership means that you'll be able to essentially connect your beat, beat source to Mixcloud. Right. You know, like you said, you can't, you can't do that record in software, but you can output it, stream it live. You can actually do that as a public live or private unlisted stream. That's an option too. Um, And then, you know, that, that recording will save to your profile. And like I said earlier, if you want to publish it, you can publish it. If you want to delete it, that's fine too. Right. Nobody's going to ask any questions. Uh, And, um, and yeah, and so right now, I think I'm not, I don't think we've actually announced this yet, but everybody from the BeatSource community is going to get 30% off of Mixcloud Pro for oh, half wow. a year. That's huge. And everybody from the Mixcloud community is going to get two extra months of BeatSource, uh, an extended trial. Instead of one month, it's going to go up to three months. So oh, you get so two cool. free months. Wow, I didn't BeatSource. realize so, that. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I don't know when this when this podcast will go live. That will be live by that point. But look out for it. If yes. it isn't yet. I think so. I think we'll be posting this when um, it's it's a thing. So um, yeah. So if you're listening right now, go sign up <laughs> and and I utilize it and experiment and see what you can do. Are you able to uh, edit the mix on Mixcloud at all? Like once you record it live onto there, is there any trimming or cropping you could do? So at the moment we do auto cropping if there's silence at the start. Okay. Um, so we we do that. Uh, we don't yet have an ability to like go in and kind of like fine tune right. things. Um, we're sort of exploring whether there's enough demand for that and people people want that. Yeah. But it does crop if there's any if there's any silence at the start, then it just kind of chop chop right. tails it. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, and I love the private thing too like i dj'd a party for someone it was four hours i recorded the whole thing and they wanted it and i'm like what am i gonna do send them a dropbox dropbox mix and then i and i'm like i don't want to <laughs> post it publicly on my mix cloud because i was playing like random mashups the person had made and wanted to play in my set so i uh, and then yeah. i realized oh i'm gonna put it on mix cloud i'm gonna send them a, a private link and you know i'll have my mix cloud up there forever so they'll just have access to that that link. So it was actually great. Yeah. And then I can send it to event producers and people that potentially booking me for gigs. And I don't necessarily have to have it up where if it doesn't represent my style exactly um, up there, I can give them the disclaimer of like, Hey, I played these things that normally wouldn't play, but here's my four hour live. They mix. forced me to play it. I had no choice. It was uh, all their productions. <laughs> well, yeah. They were like, can you download this right now? We made our own remix and mashups. And I was like, Oh God. So and I'm thinking I'm recording this mix and it was coming out good. I wanted to post it. So I'm like, all right, I'll edit, I'll edit through. But yeah, exactly. I think the the private link thing is great. Yeah, I think ultimately it's just about having that functionality there, giving yeah. people the option. If you want to use it, great. If you don't want to use it, no problem. You know, just give, right. give people that option. Yeah, and and, and another uh, buzzword or flavor of the year, flavor of the month, whatever it is, is metaverse. I feel like um, metaverse and. Um, yes. You know, I, I'm very interested in that. I think it's really cool, and I've been experimenting so much in all of the worlds from Decentraland and Crypto Voxels and the Sandbox and Somnium Space and all the stuff, and I got an Oculus and all these things, and I, I, I can see 
the future um, of what it could be done, you know, and I've even live streamed into the world and they have me in there. People have been pitching me on like, hey, DJ in, in my casino. They have a massive casino or DJ in my art gallery or my little bar I built. And people have showed me insane things where they did a replica of their favorite bar in the city they live, but used it to sell NFTs and raise all the money to then give to the real bar in the city to allow them to make it through the pandemic. And it's, I mean, I, I do see the connection of all of it. Um, and I also see a way to, to combine them because you could, well, I wonder, is there a way you tell me, but I think you can live stream using Mixcloud Live Studio, OBS, whatever your preference is. You could live stream onto Mixcloud and then the people that understand the metaverse a bit more or have like parcels and crypto voxels or all these virtual places would be able to broadcast you live into the world and then have the people watching it and dancing and even potentially tipping you or subscribing to your Mixcloud Select. You could have a virtual button that the characters could click and pay you right in there. Um, I wonder if they could use like yeah. cryptocurrency. That would be kind of cool. But yeah, do you have you experimented with that or is that anything you've thought about or am I just yeah. a crazy person? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Uh, Definitely a little crazy. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, um, I haven't experimented too much yet with the metaverse, you know, um, we are also going to be doing a partnership, three-way partnership actually coming up week after next with Boiler Room, um, in London and yeah. a company, a new startup called Volta, oh, which, nice. um, people probably haven't heard of yet, but basically they will take your, uh, camera feed, your webcam or any camera, they will sync it with the audio, whether it's from, you know, uh, your sound card, tractor, Ableton, whatever it is. And then they will help you create effects and you can actually get really detailed with them. And the effects basically go in time with the music so that you can start to create something like a Fortnite for your feed, for for your, for your video stream. Uh And then they output RTMP. So you can plug that into Mixcloud and they also are output to their Oculus. Uh, I think they have an Oculus uh, app. Wow. So they have that kind of metaverse element there. So you can watch it in metaverse if you have an Oculus or you know, device right. or in 2D on, on a mixed cloud. So we're going to be doing that with them and Boiler Room. There's going to be a stream uh, on not this weekend, but the following weekend. So I think it's Saturday the 4th. Nice. Um, and that's going to be our first kind of experiment in this area. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds fun. Like I, again, I don't know a huge amount about it, but I think for me, what's cool with the, the whole metaverse thing is just what you can do. Like, I think replicating real world things is kind of like the first step, but then like, what can you do? That's like totally, you know, batshit crazy. Like, yeah. uh, like, I don't know if you saw the Travis Scott Fortnite thing, you know, yeah. just kind of three dimensional avatars and like loads of crazy effects and stuff like that. And right. um, I think that's like kind of fun. And like, that's where I think things could go. Yeah. It's totally. super early days. 
Right. Even virtual listening parties. I mean, there's ways in the same way where it's like, okay, Def Jam Records in New York, you know, invites you to this place and everybody comes together and the DJs that are there get to come and eat the snacks they give to you or whatever it is and and listen to the song and go, great, I'll try to play that. But you could have the virtual (laughs) version of that because now it's probably hard to do that with copyright laws. If they told everyone to go on YouTube or something, it wouldn't work or Twitch. But with Mixcloud, you've got the legal ability to do it. And with the virtual worlds, I think you have the ability, like you said earlier, to have someone from Egypt and somebody in New Zealand and somebody in London and Puerto Rico and Los Angeles that are well-versed in those worlds, you know, meet up and actually be there virtually with the artist. Like I went to a DJ set and I was hanging out with Bootsy Collins in the virtual world. And I, I was like talking to him and he's talking to me. And I'm like, this is so weird. And I was watching Eclectic uh-huh. Method do a video DJ set live in the world. And I got to meet him because I'd never met him in person. He's in Spain and Bootsy's wherever he was. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, and everything uh-huh. looks not, you know, very low fi but I think as things develop, which, which, which one was that? Was that Roblox or it was, uh, no, it was in, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in crypto voxels, which to me, I think crypto is voxels. one of the most accessible ones. I think everyone has their opinions of what should be, you know, like Decentraland, you have to be on a desktop, but with crypto voxels, you can just do it on your phone, which is pretty accessible. And it's, it's more lo-fi, but I think it allows more people to be a part of it. You don't need the Oculus and the VR and be so crazy, you know, and have a lot of money. You could just have your phone, anybody with a phone, just pop in and do it. And it was easy enough. I got to be on Eclectic Methods uh, Twitter, click the button, end up in the place. I roam through. I'm looking at huge NFTs that people own. And then I see Bootsy Collins and I'm like, hey, man, I love the Nick bike remix, you know, and he's like, oh, Thanks, baby. You know, and I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> and then, like, I'm talking to Eclectic Method, and I'm like, your DJ set was so cool. And I'm so it was, there's a way to do it. And even maybe with listening parties, like, there's a way to have record labels and, and places come. And then Mixcloud is a legal way to do it and go, okay, this is our meeting space. And everybody from around the world that wants to meet the artist virtually and, and listen to their music yeah. and, get an NFT if you show up or, you know, who knows? There's, there's so many options I think for all this stuff. And that's why it's cool to have the legal ability to, to do it with your site and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I remember back in the day, what was it called? Second life. Do you remember that? Like way back in like early, late nineties, even early two thousands. Right. And I think in a way like that was sort of way ahead of its time. Totally. Because you know, just the, the te- technology wasn't fully there yet. There weren't enough people on it, but like, it definitely feels like that's starting to come back. That yeah, the idea of having this 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 metaverse, this virtual world. Yeah, I think so. So it's it's pretty cool. Everything's just sort of, and I think everybody having a lot more time in their house during the pandemic helped everybody get more interested in a lot yeah, of things they never would have thought about. Yeah, when you're stuck at home and you know can't get on a plane or leave the country or whatever, you know, you can at least go to some, uh, yeah. Party with Bootsy Collins, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I even see people like that guy ill mind doing these virtual, like people, I think pay 
to go into his virtual world and play him their beats and get critiques on their beats. So in a way, he's it's like a he he used to do this or he did a tour called Pass the Ox, I think, where you would show up in New York or Cincinnati or wherever, play the beats. A certain amount of people could play it for him. He'd give a critique, but now there can be a virtual version of it. Um, and maybe DJs could have scratch sessions or, you know, maybe there's some way to utilize the, the live aspect of yeah, it. There was yeah. another, there was another startup I saw their name is escaping me right now, but they, they basically recreated, um, you know, full pioneer CDJ 2000, like the yes. top of the line decks in uh, virtual reality. Right. And, you know, you can put on the headset and essentially like, practice DJing or learn to DJ without having to fork out, you know, five, 10, whatever, how many thousand dollars or pounds it is to actually buy that. You could actually try it out in the virtual world, which I thought was a pretty cool idea. Really cool. I haven't tried it, but I heard I, once I got Oculus, I was talking to someone at pioneer and they're like, you got to try that thing. I forgot what it was, but yeah, yeah. where it's like yeah. exact. And it's pretty mind blowing how, much you feel like you're moving your fingers and everything's exact you know like i was making paper airplanes and throwing them and I, it was just like being in real life it was just as tactical somehow wow. I, I don't know it was kind of like blowing my mind <laughs> like this is nuts and it's just the beginning so uh there, there's something to it you know i was even watching people's live streams in the vr and i was like it wasn't even built for it but it was encoding it into it and i'm like oh i'm inside of here i'm looking at jazzy jeff he's huge and <laughs> doing his thing and i could zoom in on his hands and, and i could subscribe wow. and do everything while i was in it because i could push the buttons it was like i was still in the browser um which yeah. is pretty cool and i even talked to some like virtual reality architects and they were saying oh yeah we can build you a thing where you had your own bar your own club and then you're djing and we can have your subscription button you know for whatever platform you want to have and and or even a virtual wow. wallet and so there's you know wow. people are doing crazy stuff in there <laughs> yeah yeah um all yeah. right sorry to go off well, on the not, crazy not, tangent but <laughs> not, not long to we're all in the matrix basically <laughs> I know. that's what i'm saying um yeah. so um so with mixcloud um do you want to give any background on how it started how you came up with this idea, I know you've said it on other podcasts, so if you don't want to go too deep into it, it's fine. But um, how Mixcloud started, but also what you've learned, an important thing, what you've learned about music copyright and what you would change about it going forward, if you could, in a perfect world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I've learned a hell of a lot. But, um, <laughs> no, the, gen the, genesis, the genesis story is, is really kind of one of... Um, personal frustrations so um you know at college i had a, a a college radio show with a buddy of mine named nickel shah who eventually became one of the co-founders of mixcloud and we were you know post-college like looking for a place to host the radio show and some of the dj mixes that we were doing and at this time at that moment in time kind of late 2000s you know it was kind of the choice between like mega upload file share whatever. Right. And like MySpace was kind of fading and also limited you to like hundred megabytes upload. And yeah. you could do the iTunes podcast directory, but um, it wasn't really legal and it wasn't very social. You couldn't leave comments or anything like that. Yeah. So it was really just this like personal frustration. This kind of like 
itch that we wanted to scratch where we were like, okay, how do we, how do we like just build a website where people can legally host their, their mixes and their radio shows. Yeah. And that was, that was it. That was like the, that was all when we started, it was just going to be like this small thing. You know, we thought maybe like our friends and community would sign up and, you know, it started to just grow and grow and snowball. And we were, you know, we knew a fair amount of people in the, you know, London music club scene at that time. And so it just kind of took off there and kind of grew and grew and grew. And that's kind of been the, the, the genesis of it. I mean, I think as I was talking to earlier, it has evolved now and there's kind of multiple different mediums and formats and live and monetization and apps and things like that. But the kind of the key, I guess the kernel of it is like, uh, you know, a, a place where you can safely express yourself play music and you know it's a safe space so it's not going to get taken down or blocked right. or muted or anything like that and that that's kind of the key that's the key thread that stayed throughout it all of it um and now we've kind of layered in kind of new ways of interacting and live streaming and chat and thinking about community and monetization and all these other things but at its core it's really just a platform for like expressing yourself yeah and you know, having, having fun, hopefully at the end of the day, doing something where you're, you're having fun and connecting people with people who are enjoying it. Right. So, so that, that was the Genesis story. Um, and then in terms of what I've learned from copyright, I mean, I've learned it is way, way, way too complicated, way more complicated than it should be. Right. Um, you know, really briefly, like every single song has both, a record label usually owner or what's called a sound recording owner, which mm-hmm. is usually a record label could be the artists themselves that they put it out themselves. But then it also has what's called a musical work, which is the actual lyrics and notes and composition. And that could be owned by a publisher. You could also co-write a song with several songwriters and owned by several different people. Yeah. And then these, these, these two pieces of intellectual property can be owned by or administered by different entities in different countries for different types of uh, experiences. So just by way of example, if you're doing live streaming, you go to sound exchange in the States, there's something called PPL in the UK. Um, and that's just on the, on the sound recording side. Right. Then you have to go to ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and now another one called GMR on the publishing side. Uh, then you have to think through, you know, what level of interactivity it has I'm not going to like go into all the details because it's just yeah, like mind boggling complicated. Yeah. But if I was to say like, you know, you asked like what would, what would be the, a dream solution to all of it? Yeah. You know, it's funny because we talked about NFTs earlier. And for me, the beauty of the NFT is like, it's a single point of license. Like you're, you're, you're doing a deal or buying an NFT or it's, it's a single point of contact and smart contract between you and one other entity right with a song what makes it so complicated is that you have the record label the publisher the songwriters and again it's like different in each country so you have to do that multiplied by all these countries nft single entity global getting easier and easier right right and you know it's just kind of like when you think about it like that, 
you know, that's why I was saying like the blockchain is going to be so powerful with music rights in the future. Yeah, exactly. It's just that code. It's set into that code. That's what you guys decide. And it's easier. You know, you're, you're not dealing with these lawyers and people that just want to keep changing things around or adjusting or making it harder than it needs to be. Uh, so to make sure they can get paid and then the other people can get paid and it just gets so confusing. I feel like so many creative ideas get stifled and completely squashed by, you know, lawyers or laws or rules or, you know, corporate greed, you know, type of things in a way. So um, that is something where the NFT can t take that out of it. You know, it's just like, it's not a greedy lawyer or a person doing it. It's like, okay, this is what we've decided. This is who gets what, um, you know, I know, understand it's harder because you're dealing with songs, you know, you, you have to pay royalties on a Motown song and things that were around, you know, back before digital recordings or anything. Um, but I'm sure if it gets big enough, everything will get transferred over somehow, uh, for the people that figure out the right way to do it. But yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, so I think that, I, th I think that's a really interesting question, right? Like we have this kind of legacy system. Yeah. And then we have the potential for this new system. Yeah. And you're starting to see like more and more people do things in the new system at what point and how does it flip across? Right. Yeah. I think we're definitely, you know, many, you know, maybe three, five, who knows, maybe even 10 years away from that. Right. But at some point, we're going to have like this, you know, and maybe it's a bit like, um, you know, music has changed formats in so many, so many times, you know, it was like, yeah, it was vinyl, then it was cassettes, then it was CDs, then it was MP3s, now it's streaming, right? You know, maybe the next format is actually like fully digital, global, single license point. Um, nfts or whatever comes next after nfts i don't even know right we'll see yeah it's no it's so interesting and really it's been a tiny amount of time if you in the scheme of things that recorded music being a business and and is is even a thing i mean you know like the, the there wasn't True. even vinyl True. in yeah. the beginning you know right i mean 1900 like they're making songs that they just tell each other the song, you know, I don't even know what they were exactly. doing. Right. And then we got yeah, a cone. It was, and, it was really, so yeah, it was really only after like, I think about world war one where, you know, people started to have enough disposable income that they could go out and buy music. Right. You know, that didn't really exist, but that wasn't really a widespread thing. Right. And so that's when you had started to have record labels before that it was all radio, um, live music, all these things. So the record label industry, it's only been around like less than a hundred years. Right. So that's so interesting. And that does show that this does not need to stay the way it is. There, there is room for change and it will change. Um, and it's really in the big scheme of things in a young state right now, you know, so we do have the ability to keep coming up with ideas and keep changing the format. And as we get more and more digital and connected through that way. And the world gets more and more connected because the copyright laws, I remember even 20 years ago with vinyl, I would go to London and buy records and be like, how can they have these records? And they go, well, the copyright laws are different here. They can press them up or, you know, it was weird explanations that probably weren't even true, but 
every country. It was so separated. You know what I mean? We're on like pay phones and things like that. It wasn't connected. Now yeah. we're way more connected and we're learning so much about the rules and everything's on a faster pace. Um, so things are just, you know, all these new ideas are coming up and, and people want them executed very quickly, obviously. But I, and like totally. you said, I think it's going to take some time, but there is an op. I know we're talking very like abstract, we're, but yeah, we're, ex we're accelerating. Yeah. Definitely feels like things are accelerating. Yeah, we are accelerating. And in the same way that record labels wanted to hold when Napster was happening and all that, they just wanted to squash it rather than realize how to harness it. I think that was mm. the pro that's the problem that all I feel like music, the music industry always seems very, very, very far behind everything else. You know, even TV, movies, all the other entertainment will go, okay, we're going to start our own streaming services. We're going to do that. And music seems like sometimes they're like, no, you're not allowed to do that. It's like, okay, well, then what do you want us to do? You know, and they're like, nothing. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. we're doing something. So whether you like it or not, <clears throat> you know, yeah. we're going we're gonna to figure it out. So, I mean, thankfully, people like you exist that are like, well, we're going to make this happen. It, we'll, we'll make it happen within <laughs> your realm of rules then, and then we'll keep figuring it out and, and making it happen. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I got to give them some credit. I think they have evolved since the Napster days, I think that that was just yes. like such a shock to the system, yes. especially like coming from the CD days where they were like, you know, being honest, like printing money, right? like, you know, selling CDs for like 15, 17, $20 a pop. And it costing them like 20 cents to print up at, at bulk. Right. Um, so, you know, that was a hard shock to the system, but these days, you know, they are, you know, they're definitely thinking about things like the metaverse, live streaming, right. NFTs, maybe, maybe not NFTs. I don't know, but <laughs> I think, I think there's actually some people, you know, people I speak to are thinking about like technology in a new way. So that's yeah. encouraging, you know, it's yeah. encouraging. No, that is, that's great to hear actually. Um, and, and you mentioned before, uh, the co-founder, because I introduced you as the co-founder. Um, is, are you still, is the, is your other co-founder still part of the company and, and who is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we were four co-founders at the start. Oh, okay. There was myself, uh, Nikhil Shah, who I mentioned who I had the radio show with Sam Cook, who I actually used to break dance with way back in the day, nice. believe it or not. Amazing. Um, and, uh, and a guy named Matt Clayton, who's, who's still with us today. He's my fellow CTO and co-founder. Um, you know, over the years, you know, Nikhil's dad sadly passed away a couple of years ago. So you know, he decided to step back from like day to day full time operations. But both Nikhil and Sammy, you know, we're still in touch and we still kind of speak every so often. And they're still kind of, you know, advising us in terms of the business and the company and stuff. So we're still on good terms. Um, but we've now got a team of about 50 people, mostly based in London, in wow. the UK. Some really, really great people, lots of, um, great developers and designers and engineers and product people and uh, marketing and creative all, all, all across the board. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do a little plug right now. If you're interested in, uh, in, in any jobs we got available, then there's a, there's a little jobs link at the bottom of our footer or just go to mixcloud.com forward slash jobs. Um, check it out. I think at the moment we got a, um, uh, 
a, a JavaScript developer role, Python developer role, and a data engineer role. So lots, lots of like hardcore yeah. tech uh, engineering and development. But if you know, if you or you know anybody um, who might be interested, definitely send them our way. Great. Yeah. I saw that in your uh, Twitter name. It was like, uh, Nico, we're hiring. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I actually Always clicked trying on to it. Hire good people. I read about the jobs and I was like, this may not be uh, my expertise, but I'm sure there's tons of people that know those things that also DJ at this point, you know, it, DJing has become such a universal yeah. thing. So um, think about, I mean, if you're a DJ and you know how to do us. those, yeah. it seems like an amazing company to work with. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, it's definitely definitely helped us. I think, you know, one great thing about working in music is so many people love music, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it's a passion for so many people. So when they can do that as well as part of their day job, then that's like an extra bonus. Yeah, totally. That's so cool. And you mentioned, too, you were a break dancer. I didn't know that. But I did know you were a DJ and you are a DJ. I mean, I'm not going to say were. I don't think it goes away. Um, yeah. And... Um, so do you want to give us a little background on that? Like what were your favorite kind of gigs to play and how did you get started? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I guess I got, uh, I got, I got given a, a stereo for my, I think it was 14th birthday. And that's really like opened my eyes or my ears really, I should say to music and, uh, you know, basically discovered and totally fell in love with hip hop at the time. And got my first Dex when I was 19. Okay. Vestax PDX 2000s, I think they were. And, you know, at the same time, I had some friends who were, you know, getting into breakdancing, got into that as well. And basically the full, like, all the elements of hip-hop, you know, breakdancing, graffiti writing, emceeing, DJing, like everything. And that, like, immersed myself completely in that culture. Yeah. In those, those, those early years. And then went to college kind of, you know, that definitely exposed me to other types of music, electronic music, house music, um, you know, reggae, dance hall, whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you know, after that, you know, was playing out in London, you know, fairly often, um, across the board, kind of open format, I guess, you know, like right. hip hop, reggae, dance hall, disco, funk, Electro, like, everything. Yeah, anything, anything soulful and dope sounds like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something, something with like a melody, a good beat, probably some good lyrics too. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not on the like, you know, more. You now I got some friends who absolutely love their like banging techno, right? With no lyrics and just like, just. Just, just sounds brutal to me. Um, that's not really, not really my, my, my vibe. But you know, a track called Quest Track or uh, you know, Barrington Levy or yes. I don't know, some like old disco like Giorgio Moroder or something like that. That's 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 more my vibe. Yes, I'm feeling it. Me too. Uh, I mean, I like everything, of course. But uh, yes, that's that's where I come from too. That's so cool. And so, so those are your favorite kind of, uh, you know, gigs to play. And I don't know how deep you got into the working DJ game because I know, you know, you're, you're in the tech space and you went to college for, um, some pretty amazing things and have been in so many different industries. And I mean, I, um, but, I but mean, in the early yeah, days, in the early days, you know, we weren't actually like 
making much money from Mixcloud at all. I mean, we're not making huge money even today, but like it was, it was essentially a passion project. And so yeah, DJ, I used to DJ full time. That was like my way to make money. And and I had, had monthly residencies and things like that. And, you know, that was basically my sole source of income for about the first two years of working on Mixcloud. Amazing. So, you know, that was, that was a big part of it. And I definitely, you know, feel for everybody out there who was a working DJ. And like when the pandemic hit, that's such a big part of your livelihood. It's like, yeah, that's why we like really leaned, leaned into live streaming. That's why we like accelerated the monetization feature around it's about select and channel subscriptions. And you know, the, the hope and the desire is that, you know, we keep adding to that. And in the long term, people are maybe less reliant on always doing gigs. Yeah, you know, I think I think gigs are great and they're not they're not gonna go away and everybody loves you know that live experience. Yeah. But I think it's healthy to have some diversity in there. Definitely. I think that was a huge lesson that we learned in the pandemic. Uh, me included that, you know, you're, you're so stuck on like, I gotta be DJing every weekend. I gotta be on the road when you lose track of other things you could be working on and other way, you know, streams of income, as they say, you know, and things like that, that DJs can have, there's, there's other places you could put your time and still keep DJing, but maybe not be so reliant on, on that one thing. And if you, take some time to understand some of the technology that is at your disposal, you could make something from it, you know, and, and make it not so hard on yourself. And, 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 you know, through making a few smart choices and tweaks, doing things like recording that last mix that you did. And actually, you know, like a great example of this is, uh, so John Digweed kind of electronic house techno DJ, yeah. on Mixcloud, you know, one of the most successful people on the platform, he actually records some of his live sets and makes some of them exclusively available for his, for his channel subscribers. Nice. And he also does Mixcloud lives and he does the live bit for free. And then the recording is only available exclusively for his, for his paying subscribers. That's a good idea. And that's, that's like, he's making tens of thousands of dollars doing that now. Like really? it's really, really working well for him. Yeah. And, and, and he just, you know, has figured out how to do it. Just being consistent, doing it like every week or every two weeks and not being afraid to charge and like put some things behind a paywall. If you give everything away for free, then, you know, people will always go for the free thing. But if you actually make some things exclusive, and what we've seen is actually like over time, you start to see more and more people subscribing and supporting. Right. I mean, we are a global community. We've seen that through the live streaming thing. The amount of DJs and music people I've become friends with over the past year and a half has been huge all over the world. And I already knew a lot of people and went to a lot of places, but human beings can only be in one place at a time at this point. And yes, it's good to give your stuff away for free because they might come to your show. But what if you only play in Boston two times a year or go to Japan every three years or something like that? Those people still want to be a part of it. So, and so what, what he's doing is 
he'll do a live stream for free and then archive the um, recording and you can pay for select in order to have access to that as well as now when he DJs out live, he records that set like live at this festival and then posts that as well. Okay, if you want, if you didn't make it to the festival, but exactly. you want to hear my mix, exactly. that's actually a great idea because I record a lot of my sets, <clears throat> whether they're private events or whether they are me in Vegas or something. And then it just sits on my computer and I kind of like, I'm like, what do I yeah. do with this? And I don't want to. Yeah. I don't know. Do I upload? Are people going to care? But in reality, and then people ask me, what did you play? You know, I posted something about this Netflix thing I did, and it was for Stranger Things. And I played all songs from 1983 to 1984. And I was very nice. specific, and I put clips from the show in, and I made it like a live mixtape, and I was in a cemetery in Hollywood, yeah. and put it on my Instagram. And so many people hit me like, did you record this? I want to hear it. And I never, I did record it and I never posted it. Um, but that would be a cool thing oh. to do sort of like, okay, listen, if you want to have access to what I play at these events and these things, just help me, you know, to subscribe. Cause it really, I'm barely DJing any events right now because of the pandemic still. So if you want to help support yeah. me as well as hear it, learn, you know, and then, uh, I can make a beat source playlist for you to, you know, to tag, put, put onto, you know, there's a exactly. way to connect it all and utilize the thing. And that, that's, that's inspirational actually. Now that you've told me that that's a cool way to think about it. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, it's a mindset shift yes. and a behavioral shift that I think is kind of new to some of us. Yeah. You know, cause, cause, cause so many working DJs are just, what what we've done for so long is go to the club yeah. and do the gig next city, next club, next thing. Right. And actually taking us, I think that's maybe the one positive silver line in the pandemic and make everybody like take a step back and be like, Whoa, like maybe I should diversify a bit. Maybe I should think about like long-term if I'm recording these sets, I'm actually building up a catalog of incredible curated handcrafted handpicked entertainment yeah, for people totally you know and and if you think about it through that you're like you're like actually you know um that was a really good set i did it wherever and yeah people probably want to listen to it again and so you know having that there and building up that catalog over time is is very powerful right yeah, that's so cool. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that more. I I don't I don't think I utilize my mix cloud to the top of its capacity at all. So um, after this, yeah, conversation. And, 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 and being and being really honest, like that's something that we need as a company need to do better. Just like the educational piece around like yeah. all these things that you can do with the platform, right? That are maybe not immediately obvious yeah. or maybe they like require like a mindset shift and a, a bit of a behavior shift, not a huge one, but like yeah. just a few things here and there and it starts to build and like, you know, I think that's so cool, you know, have like the mix cloud meetup, you know, whether it's in zoom or discord or whatever it yes. is or a live stream on Mixcloud, or, uh, but have the yes. mix cloud meetup where, you learn what the top earners are doing, how they're doing it, their different methods, and um, yeah. what the difference is yeah. between using Mixcloud and utilizing the other sites or Patreon or something, and that you could get taken down yeah. off Bandcamp and the different uh, sites, you know, whether you think so or not. And yeah. 
and how people are legally using Mixcloud. I think that would be a nice thing to have. Um, you know, I noticed like on that Clubhouse app, you know, I know it kind of went up and down in popularity, but something I did notice was cool was that the founders and some of the community managers would do a, um, a sort of a Clubhouse room once a week for all the new people to show them what was happening and how to use it, you know, yeah. and that would be cool yeah. for Mixcloud because I'm a very experienced person. I've been on Mixcloud. I feel like since the very beginning and I've been, as soon as we could pay for the pro plans and whatever, we, I'm always doing it and I've been subscribing forever, but I don't think I utilize all the features and I didn't even think about some yeah. of the things you said. Um, and that even I'm experienced. So, uh, that would be cool to have yeah. sort of seminars or Mixcloud meetups, you know, um, where you can build yeah. with different DJs around the world and even come up with ways to collaborate with each other, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think just hearing you say that has reaffirmed because we had this idea of like maybe doing like a monthly webinar and ask me anything type thing. I think you should. And uh, this, this is definitely confirmed. Like it will be helpful to people. it be useful to just, because yeah. there's so many sides of what's possible and just, just, just kind of like talking through it and answering questions, I think would be super helpful to people. Right. Are you going to um, implement like any new things in the live streaming um, side of things? Like, do you have other plans of stuff that's being worked on to implement into there? Yeah. Yeah. We got a couple things coming up. So we got um, uh, tipping is coming into, nice. into live streaming to so be able to like tip the DJ. Uh, we got better emojis. Oh, cool. So we got some new emojis coming, which would be cool. Nice. We are exploring the idea of like uh, collaborative live streaming. Like what would happen if like two DJs went back to back in different locations and like what would that look like? Right. Um, so yeah, lo lots of stuff that we're kind of exploring uh, on that side of things. And then I think I saw somebody was asking a question on Twitter about the genres and disco in particular. Oh, yes. And yeah. I'm happy to confirm that uh, disco will be added. Oh, there we, we go. We actually just did a, we did a poll recently where we asked people like what primary tag genres are missing. Yeah. So we, we're crunching all that data right now and can update them soon. Yeah, actually, let's, uh, I, I, for no offense to Twitter, but I forgot about some of the Twitter questions because usually they come in from Instagram <laughs> and not that many came in. Um, I'd like some troll people, you know, writing me and some good comments, but you're right. Um, someone mentioned, oh yeah, uh, 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 Phenom, not Phenom from, uh, DJ City and, um, beat source but um the other phenom from uh, chicago and uh, portland now great dj yeah asked him for the disco thing so i think that's great great to hear so that answers uh his question and then i guess i'll i'll throw in the few other ones that i got um someone asked shy Dooley asked uh i've always wanted to see mixcloud have an all-time most listened to mixes chart uh, like a top 100 or something. Maybe it exists, but I can't find it. Is that something that exists or would you, is it even possible to to put up there like the most listened to mix on yeah. Mixcloud ever? It doesn't exist right now, but in theory, we could we could build that, I think. Could I have to double cool. check. I never thought about that either. But. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. All right. And then someone else asked. I think... I think Erica yeah. Badu might might be uh, 
at the top there. She, really? she put out a few things that did really, really well. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, someone else, DJ Marcus A wrote, um, will the live streams ever get to be archived or will they disappear into the abyss? I think we touched on that earlier (laughs) of why, uh, that the lot, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the live streams are archived as audio because legally that's what you do. But the video, you'd have to have a whole new sync license for every single thing to go with the video. So as of now, that is not a possibility, um, legally. Yes. Okay. Yes, unless we can change copyright law, which is a bit of a long bet. <laughs> but um, for now, the audio definitely find it. You'll be able to find it if you've done a live stream. It'll be on your profile uh, in draft draft mode. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, that's great. And then one more thing I wanted to ask you, just to go back to the DJing gig, because you were a DJ full time, like you said. Did you have any, you know, a lot of, we talk about these great gigs and making it, but sometimes we've all dealt with these horrible gigs or nightmare gigs or, or awkward stories in the club. Do you have anything that you remember that was just, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me type of uh, DJ experience? Oh man, so many, like, (laughs) (laughs) like I remember, what was it? One time, like this is back when I was playing vinyl with serato yeah like uh i think one of the decks wasn't working so i had to figure out how to do like instant doubles like (laughs) oh my god like on on the fly and didn't really like just took a couple of tries to get that working so that was that was a nightmare yeah Um, i've had neat neat yeah needles that go all over the place and i know aren't sticking um (laughs) you know the the, I'm sure everybody's experienced that kind of like drunk crowd member who just won't won't stop making requests for really bad inappropriate music at that point in time. Yes. I'm sure everybody's experienced that. Um, yes. Couple blown speakers, like definitely a few sound systems that have gone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you've dealt with all the same but, things we've all dealt with <laughs> all the yeah in the trenches yeah. in the trenches of dj yeah. gigs luckily no no major injuries so you know right that's it's not good. too bad i know i've actually injured yeah. myself horribly uh at, after a dj gig a few times <laughs> which surprisingly enough didn't think that you could get injured djing but i've come home with a broken ankle from chicago before and come home with a broken rib from aspen both related to dj gigs <laughs> like i don't know was it related to snow or ice yes or? both of them snow uh and both of them not while wow. i was djing but one of them after the club <laughs> maybe had drank a little bit too much tequila and i'm in chicago and i'm leaving the club yeah. and i got my dj bag on and i'm like it's like you can surf and skate on the snow it's so cool i'm from la i i don't know about (laughs) snow so i would run and slide on the snow and we're on a chicago sidewalk next thing i know i fall down i hear some snap and i'm laying there and i'm kind of drunk and i'm like it really hurts i think i'm okay i tried to function and then i had to get an x-ray and they were like you broke your ankle i'm like i broke my ankle so yeah i was djing (laughs) on crutches and rolling around and the other time was like red bull wow. which thank god for red bull but they had me go up and teach louis Vito, who's like a professional snowboarder in the x games they had me go to the x games at aspen and teach him to dj and have him teach me to snowboard 
so uh yeah and and you know the i think the the bad part of it was that he taught me so well he was like we're going to the top of the big huge hill at the x games i'm like no i don't know what i'm doing i'm not made for this stuff and he actually helped me get down safely and great and i was very confident at the end of the day and i think that was the problem was that i made it through safely i went to bed and all that and i was fine the next day all the red bull people are like we're going back but we're doing the terrain run come with us and i'm like what's the terrain run they're like you go over the bumps i'm like no i don't think this is my thing like i just started and um, I went with them and I couldn't like control myself, ended up like falling and like hurt myself so bad and keep telling them, I'm like, it hurts when I breathe. It hurts when I talk. I'm like, I think I broke my rib. And everyone's like, you would know if you broke your rib. And I'm like, I think I know. I mean, this, I know it. it hurts, you know? And, uh, but nobody would take me seriously. It was like horrible. And uh, I didn't even find out till I flew, I flew somewhere and I'm like calling my wife, like, I can't pick up the bag. I don't know what's happening. And ended up in Utah and went to the hospital and they're like, Oh yeah, you have a broken rib. I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> like how? So I knew it. Yeah. And the other time I broke my foot trying to, I was carrying a CDJ and it almost fell. And I, I went in this weird position and my foot went to the side. And I, of course, somehow wanted to save the CDJ more than like my foot and didn't want it to fall. And like something just snapped on the side of my foot and I broke a bone there. So it's been my, my only times I've been insanely injured <laughs> had to do with DJing, wow. even though I'm not really an X games type of human being. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know. I'm glad they didn't make you like do the jumps and everything on your like first day snowboarding. Oh my God. I know. I, you know, I, that I was up there. I remember Mick, you know, uh, he used to call himself Mick Boogie. Now he's called Mick. Yeah. yeah I know Mick. Dope yeah, yeah. DJ. He was up there and I remember he Big was guy. like, I'm not going snowboarding. And I'm like, come on, man. What are you thinking? Like you're tripping. This is amazing. We're up here in Aspen. It's the X games, Red Bull. Let's go. I come back with the broken rib. He's completely like cozy, <laughs> probably just drinking hot chocolate by the fire in this huge house Red Bull rented. And I'm like, okay, you're smarter than me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, you know, uh, your limits. <laughs> yeah. You you were right. We all sat in a room in a dark room pushing buttons and I, <laughs> for a reason and not, not doing the snowboard thing. Some people, you know, I've seen, I mean, Z trips into it, but even he broke his collarbone and stuff. It, you can get hurt out there. Ouch. Yeah. DJ's Ouch. DJ's getting hurt. You know, we got to protect these hands. Be, be, be careful. It's <laughs> snow and ice. I think um, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, taking your time and giving us all this information and, you know, going off on these crazy metaverse NFT tangents with me and <laughs> weird, no weird problem. stuff. I appreciate yeah, it. Happy to do it. Yeah. It, um, do you have any other topics you want to talk about or any, you know, words you have for the DJs out there or anything? Uh, man, I think we, we covered a lot of grounds. Yeah. The last hour and a half. Or so, um, so yeah, but if anybody does have any questions, probably the easiest way to hit me up is either Twitter or Instagram, my handles at Nico Perez or Nico Perez N I C O P E R E Z. Um, I try and answer anything anybody asks. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for having me, and thanks for listening, everybody's out there. 
Yes. All right. Great. Well, um, like he said, hit him up. I see him very active online talking to everybody. Uh, you know, not many CEOs doing that. So I really appreciate it. And honestly, I really appreciate what you've done for the DJ community and what you continue to do. And I know it's from a true place, genuine place of love for the DJ culture and the music. And um, it's just much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Spider. All right. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. All right, huge thank you to Nico Perez for taking the time out of his busy schedule to come on the 20 podcast, talk to us, give us all that information, deal with all my crazy ideas about everything. Uh, I had so much fun talking to him. It was great. So thank him. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, As always, this podcast is available on all platforms youtube apple Podcasts, spotify all over the place wherever you get your podcast tune in help us by supporting by uh, leaving a review and rating on the apple podcast store help us get up those charts uh and thank you let me know anyone else you want to hear on the show any other topics you want discussed hit me on instagram at dj spider dj s-p-i-d-e-r the 20 podcast is produced by beat source join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to djs i'm dj spider signing off peace and that was the 20 with dj spider